So I'm in, I'm in Tokyo, Japan. It's like uh, 11 a.m. here. And I'm in New York, and it's 10 o'clock at night the day before. I'm in Oakland, so, California, 7, 7 p.m. So this is a global global conversation right this here. Is the multiverse. Technology. This is <laughs> the, multiverse. the multiverse. This is how it actually happens. Welcome back to the Blur Girl podcast, folks. I'm Karen Mahorn, a.k.a. The Blur Girl. Those of you who are fans of Star Wars are going to love this episode. I'm talking to Leandre Thomas of Lucasfilm, as well as Arthel Isom of Daishitagio, which coincidentally is the first Black-owned anime studio in Japan. I'm going to be talking to them about the animated episode of The Pit that they created for Star Wars Visions 2. For those of you who don't know, Star Wars Visions is the animated anthology series that dropped on Disney back in May, which is actually when this interview happened. But due to some technical issues and then, of course, the writers and actors strike, I wasn't able to bring this to you until now. But it's an amazing discussion. I can't wait to tell you more about it. But first, let's pay some bills. What's up, fam? Virtuous Con is back. Yes, the Black woman-founded virtual comic book convention has returned. This year, there's more special guests, more programming, more sponsors. Plus, the virtual vendor floor has expanded to include programming there, too. And there's an opening night live stream happening on Twitch that's completely free. Get over to VirtuousCon.com right now to get all the details and get your tickets. Virtuous Con is back February 23rd through 25th. So Leandre Thomas actually works in the archival area of Lucasfilm and had wanted to direct and produce for a while. He had a number of small projects under his belt. And Arthel Isom, a huge fan of anime and animation for a long time, actually moved to Japan to study under some incredibly talented uh, anime and mangaka before venturing out to start his own studio. Now, this discussion is how the two of them came together to work on this incredible episode called The Pit. They talk about working with Lucasfilm, working with Star Wars, and teaming up with the amazing voiceover talents of David Diggs, Anika Noni Rose, Jordan Cure, and Cedric Yarbrough. The episode follows a fearless young prisoner forced to dig for kyber crystals by the Empire who plans a risky escape for himself and his people. It's eerie how even though they worked on this in 2020, it is so timely right now. I can't help thinking of the Congo when I think of this. It's a beautiful episode. If you get a chance, please watch the whole series. Star Wars Visions is a stunning series, but the pit was really, really timely and it was beautiful seeing black people animated within the Star Wars universe. Up next, my interview with Leandre Thomas and Arthel Isom. Leandre, thank you so much for joining me. I am really excited to talk about the work you've done on Star Wars Visions and the pit is actually one of my favorite stories. Mm -hmm. And I'm so excited that I'm getting a chance to talk to you. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm a big fan of your work as well. And I just love talking to you about all of this. And um, yeah, let's, let's dive in. Now, before we get into like, how you made this amazing little piece happen, I, you already work for Lucasfilm. And I found out that like, of all the people who were the creatives behind the shorts, you're actually the only one who's actually like staff of the company. 
Um, so what happened? Was there like an internal memo? Does anybody want to do this? Does anybody have anything <laughs> to submit? <laughs> Tell everybody what you do for Lucasfilm first, and then we'll get into how it all came to be. Yeah. So, uh, my, my job there uh, is the manager of all of the franchise video assets for Lucasfilm. So that includes, you know, obviously all of the movies, all of the, uh, you know, the recordings that go into the movies, what we call like dailies uh, and then the behind the scenes for the movies, all of the edited trailers and promotional material going back to when the company started in 1971 until forever, pretty much growing. So it's me and, and a team that kind of manages all of that. And just to give you kind of some perspective of how much content that is, if you add it all up, it's like well over a million minutes worth, worth of stuff. So uh, it's a huge responsibility. It's something that I like really love though, because I grew up collecting all of the, the DVDs and the, the VHSs and the laser discs and all the different special editions and limited editions and definitive editions and all of this. <laughs> First of all, you have the yeah. coolest job in the history of ever. Okay. <laughs> like, what do, you, what do you do? I protect the Star Wars vault. <laughs> that is my job. Oh yeah, my it's God. Crazy. You are clearly a lover of film. And you've also directed some shorts outside of this, right? Yeah, yeah. No, so the entire time I've been working uh, here, I've been making my own independent films. Um, I, I actually was hired here based on a film that I made in 2010, 2011 called Down the Wrong Path. And someone kind of recommended me for a job at Lucasfilm after they saw that movie. It got into some festivals at the time. And um, I interviewed for it and... I haven't looked back since because I've, I've always wanted to work here uh, and I've always want, always wanted to be a filmmaker growing up. So growing up in Oakland, where I am now, uh, I uh, Lucasfilm, because it's local, has always been kind of one of my North Stars because, you know, it's in our backyard. So um, coming here has quite literally been a dream come true for me. I was kind of waiting on the sideline if there ever was an opportunity to to kind of work for the work for the company as a director or a writer. And that actually got to happen with the pit. So it's an incredible opportunity. And as you mentioned, it's not something that happens very often. So it's one I don't take for granted. You still work for the vault. It's not like you quit and did this. This was just something you were able to do on the side, correct? Yeah. And the first order of business I'm going to do in my next meeting is change the name to the vault. I actually really like, like that name. That's what we're We'll start calling That's ourselves what we need that. To call it, yes. The vault. I have spoken. This is what we're calling it. <laughs> so the so the way this all kind of came about was, and, and that was it was actually in 2020. So mm. uh, 2020, that was obviously a really down wow. year. Tensions were very high. Uh, everything that was happening with the election, all the way to, to the murder of George Floyd, there was just a lot of you know uncertainty and unrest with with everyone personally, and tensions were just high in the company, and morale was really low. So the company was looking for kind of ideas and um, the opportunity kind of came to me if, the, if I had any, because people knew that I was a filmmaker. So this was kind of my moment to, to share an idea. And um, one of the questions I had for myself was, you know, what am I going to bring to the table? Because this company's we have such a rich legacy of, of great stories and Lucasfilm inspires so many people all over the world. Um, I wanted to bring something that was unique to my perspective, that was connected to the real world, especially what was happening in 2020, um, and how that pertains to Star Wars, right? And and it actually became something that aligned pretty pretty well because um, you know everything that was happening that year and everything that was happening before that 
is what Star Wars is based on. You know, Star Wars is about rebellions and empires, you know, that that war against each other, about standing up against oppression and, and the hope for a better tomorrow. That's that's in the DNA. That's what Star Wars is about at its core. So it was important to make a kind of, you know, make a story that reflected that, you know, and what that looks like from someone like me coming from where I come from and how that affects so many people in the world that may not see that same perspective in Star Wars yet. You know, because it, it is always about that, but we haven't seen it in the perspective that I was trying to bring with with the pit. So um, much like George, when he was writing the first Star Wars in the early 70s, he, he made it very much about, you know, what was happening at that time with the Vietnam War and, mm -hmm. and the civil rights movement that was happening at that time. A lot of those same issues remain. And that's something that we wanted to kind of remind people of that, you know, this is a brand that affects people and inspires people in a very special and unique way. So um, that's what we tried to capture with this small little film. And I think you did an incredible job. I actually want to do something really quick. I want to, for the people who don't know, yeah. uh, Lucas film actually has a great little description of what the pit is about. I'm going to read that real quick. Yeah. Um, after Imperial stormtroopers force a group of prisoners to dig, to dig a large pit hundreds of feet below the planet's surface, they free them of their chains only to leave them at the bottom of the chasm. When a young man, Crux, manages to climb out, he attempts to find help only to be recaptured and thrown back into the pit. Crux does not survive the fall and his sacrifice, however, inspires both the trapped survivors and nearby townspeople to follow the light and find hope for the future. So now that I know that this story was created during 2020, it's got a whole other meaning with that context. So what was it like when you found out that the voice of Crux was going to be David Diggs? Yeah, so that's that's something that was really important to cast the right person for this kind of pivotal role because Crux, uh, he's, he's obviously an, an inspiration for hope, but you know, he he's the one who feels the consequence the most, like his character is sacrificed. So we needed someone who sounded kind of young and could speak to that kind of hope, someone who was mature, but youthful at the same time. And David's actually really perfect for that. You know, he, he has this maturity about him, but he also has this youthfulness about him. And uh, he's also someone from Oakland, like I am, or from the same city. We grew up in the same area. And he understood immediately when he read the script what we're trying to do. And that, that was like a really good shorthand and he ended up being perfect for the role and he's so talented. So it was just great to have him um, a part of the part of the production. Yeah. And Anika Noni Rose, like original Disney princess, like that, that was actually a really nice surprise um, to hear her voice in there too. Yeah. So she's one of my most talented people I've ever worked with. Anika Noni Rose, she's a legend. I call her all the time, Disney royalty. Like you said, she's, you know, um, an original Disney princess. And more importantly, you know, one another reason why we wanted her a part of this production was there's a lot of people in the movie, but there's not a lot of lead characters. And there's not a lot of dialogue either. This mm -hmm. is a very visual movie. It's not, there's not a lot of dialogue. So we need someone who can voice multiple characters, multiple roles. And Anika is really good at playing different voices. You know, she's very, very talented at that. And so she played several voices in this movie. Um, she has two lead voices and she plays, you know, a bunch of background characters. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize she did the background voices too. So yeah. let's go to the animation itself. Were you able to pick what animation house you wanted to work with? Or did you suggest uh, Arthel and Darshitajo? Or was that up to the executive producers? 
Yeah, so uh, I, I did get to pick which studio to work with. And that was obviously a major decision um, when we started, you know, when this production got kind of green lit. We, it was important to me that this was told in the medium of 2D animation. You know, we really wanted this to be in 2D animation. And with the duality of the story and, you know, it just felt like 2D was the perfect medium for it. And we wanted it to feel nostalgic. We wanted it to be kind of traditional, you know, anime um, to kind of tie into the message, which is not a new message. So we didn't want the, the animation to feel too cutting edge. We wanted it to kind of reflect the familiarity, the familiarity of the of the story and, and the message that's been told for so many generations. So um, through with that in mind, we looked at different studios. We looked at a number of different studios, and our executive producer Athena Portillo, uh, who is a Lucasfilm legend around here, she's one of the producers for the Bad Batch. She was the producers on one of the producers on the Clone Wars, uh, Star Wars Rebels. Um, absolute Lucasfilm legend. Uh, she's an executive producer on on this show too. And she um, discovered they are Stagio, and um, we set we set up a meeting with them. And when I got to meet they uh, are and Arthel, of course, and his team, and talking to him personally, uh, I knew they were the right pick because you know he just understood immediately what I was talking about. And Arthel, he's 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 been living in Japan for for a long time, but he's from the states. You know, he grew up in New Jersey, so he understood exactly what we were talking about. Well, it's actually hilarious because Arcel just got here. The moment you said his name, it's like pings. Listen, if you have bad credit or no credit, I'm telling you, the Self Credit app is a way to build your credit history. Now, after the dumpster fire that was 2020, as well as some mounting health insurance bills that I had from years ago, my credit was pretty much tanked. And I was able to raise it 35 points since the beginning of this year. I'm not exaggerating. 35 points, and it's so simple to use. You simply open a self-credit builder account and deposit a small amount of money in it. And then for as little as five bucks a month, you pay the money back automatically through the app. Then self reports your credit to all three credit agencies. That's it. It's that simple. Like, I don't even think about it, and my credit has jumped 35 points. Low credit, no credit, it doesn't matter. Use the Self app today and build your credit and savings and get back on track. It's available on iOS as well as Android. I have a link in my show notes for anyone who's interested. Check it out. Hey, everyone. Hey, welcome. So <laughs> excited to have you here. Also, three different time zones here, people. So just. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of incredible. Where are you right now, Arthel? So I'm in, I'm in Tokyo, Japan. Yeah, it's a Japanese time zone. It's like a 11 a.m. here. Right. It's like 11, and I'm in New York. So, and it's like nine, 10 o'clock at night the day before. And <laughs> yeah. Leandre, you're in, in California. Oakland. Right. Yeah, I'm in Oakland, California, so, 7, 7 p.m. So this is a global global conversation right this here. is Thank the multiverse technology this <laughs> the is the multiverse <laughs> this is how it actually happens so Arthel, you're in japan you live there now dutch tajo is a company you started in japan okay. it's a japanese studio and registered and yeah it's a it's a japanese anime studio we have like yeah half and half like so half our staff is from japan or actually more than half our staff is japanese and then a small part is um foreigners from all over the world actually but um, yeah, and we've been now, I think we're going on our seventh year here in Japan. Although I've been in Japan now for 17 years. <laughs> but, wow. Uh, but the Arstagio itself is, yeah, 
this year is its seventh year. So I think the difference between Visions Volume Two and Volume One is that Volume Two has like anime from all over all over the world. So there's different mediums, like there's a stop motion and 3D animation and Western animation. And Athena and Leandre had a conversation about how they were, you know, how did how did Leandre envision his his um, episode, The Pit, being shown, like what medium did he feel best fitted? And Leandre wanted it to be in the anime medium. And I think and then they were trying to find a studio that kind of would understand um, the messages and things like that that Leandre was trying to portray in his story. And then our, our studio's name kind of popped up. And, and then from that conversation, they, um, yeah, we got attached to the production. And then to, just to add to that, because that's, you know, 2020 and, you know, everything that we talk about this movie is it's it's not just about 2020. It's obviously a message that's bigger and, and beyond that and beyond, you know, uh, people of color even just it's about a, a bigger issue. But, you know, speaking of crux and how, you know, that because that's a really heavy scene that that was very personal for me because I actually knew someone who was, you know, killed by the hands of the police um, and that was Oscar Grant which the movie Fruitvale Station was based on so I actually went to high school with him oh wow so th- yeah yeah so th- th- that that's an issue that really strikes a chord with me personally because I-, I knew someone you know who was affected by that and um, like many people in this country we all you know are affected by it and, and some of us know people who are affected by it so um, that's that that was the climate when all of this creative was happening I was in in the Bay Area at that time as well, because I went to college in San Francisco. Um, and yeah, and kind of like Andrew said, like we all kind of have different experiences and connections to this kind of, you know, to the things that were just happening. And even when I was in San Francisco at that time, I I, I have this story, which I don't I really share, but like, yeah, I, I got pulled over by the police and, and actually, yeah, thrown down to the ground and the gun was actually put like on top of my head. And I remember just that experience and, and the fear that goes through you and, and everything. But I think it's the first time I even shared a story with Leandre. I've never even told him this, but like, you know, they were just looking for people who, who can understand this messaging, the problems that the, that the people in the pit were having and things. And I think all of us can pull from, you know, real experiences and we were drawing and we were um, creating things we can put in there. And, that, and that's what's the great thing about Star Wars though, right? It's a great set piece that allows for these experiences and things to be kind of shown to people and in a lighter way so people can kind of, uh, you know, ex- experience the things that, that is happening all over the world. Yeah. And, and just to echo that, it, it's not something that I particularly particularly like doing. It doesn't excite me to, to, to have to make stories like that. And in fact, most of my career, I've never, you know, told stories like that. But in 2020, something kind of ignited in me. And I kept hearing people say, like, I had no idea or, you know, this is this is outrageous. I had no idea this was happening. And I just kept thinking, like, you had no idea. Like, what what have we been talking about this entire time for generations and generations? So it it kind of sparked something in me to want to, you know, for me to try to say something. What am I going to bring to the table and kind of remind people the power of Star Wars? Uh, like Arthel said, you know, it's it's something that celebrates diversity, not just in humans, but in different species, right? It's it's what the the future can look like in this kind of science fantasy way. And you know, when we were going to protest, at least for me, I remember seeing people, you know, with Princess Leia signs at real protests about a real issue, and they're having a fictional character, you know, on their picket signs. That's a very powerful and special thing. You know, a lot of brands don't have that. You know, so that's something that. We take very serious and, you know, we want to be able to use it in a responsible way. 
I mean, they should have had Finn, but yes, that's just my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but but I will I will say this: there is something to using fictional characters to be able to tell these kinds of stories. I remember going through something similar when Lovecraft Country came out and people going, oh my God, I never thought anything like this happened and not talking about the monsters, but like the human beings that were being monsters. And I remember going yeah. like, just having these conversations on Twitter, like, okay, so you should read this book and you should definitely watch this movie, you know, and look at this article. Um, because it just, it, it, you forget sometimes that even though things seem so incredibly obvious to us, just, just yep. so many people who sometimes innocently enough, not everybody's trying to, you know, make something out of nothing. There are certain people that are really like, teach me, show me, I've never heard of this. And I think there was a lot of that happening in 2020. And I think you're right. I think that this uh, series, other shows, Mandalorian and or especially, um, really show uh, a lot of that protest. In fact, speaking of Andor, the pit starts really kind of, you know, it's really kind of down. And, but at the end, there's this, this not catharsis, but moment of triumph. And I, I had a similar feeling when I was watching Andor. And I wondered how important to you was that making sure that that cathartic moment came through? Yeah, and I'm so glad you said that because one of the fears that we had was, you know, at least I was afraid that people would think this movie was too dark and, and too heavy, <laughs> you know? So it's great that some people, you know, kept are, are telling me like, oh, it, it feels so hopeful at the end. Oh, there's this great ending. And I'm like, oh, that's good that you actually got that because I was afraid that, you know, it was too heavy at the beginning and, you know, people wouldn't, you know, even make it to the, to the, to the hopeful part at the end. So that that's good. And that's that's what we want because the the... Hope it doesn't mean anything unless you can get something out of it, right? It, mm -hmm. It's um, it has to result into, into something. There has to be a solution, and coming together is always a Star Wars theme, and it's always been something that is a very practical solution. The opposition wants us to be segregated, right? Because yeah. when we're segregated, we're easier to control and we're easier to to oppress. But if everyone comes together, then that that you, you can truly accomplish, you know, anything you want. So you know it, that's that that may sound a little bit too too hopeful into um you know glass half full but that's how change always has happened in the past right and it shouldn't always be the responsibilities of the of the oppressed to have to to figure it out and have to to be the one responsible for the for all of the answers right that's mm -hmm. i mean the people in the pit were they didn't ask to be put there right so why is it only their responsibility to to have to figure out how to get out so Having people held accountable is another, you know, thing that I feel like is hinted at this movie. You know, the, the people in that city benefited from the pit. And now that they knew what happened, well, what's next? What are you going to do about it? Are, are you are you going to continue to ignore it or are you going to be a part of the solution and not no longer part of the problem? So that's something that we need to remind people of as well. And to follow their inner light. You know, this this idea of an inner light is something that we kind of always tied a Jedi and Sith and, and, the, and the force users, you know, when there's a disturbance in the force, something's wrong, but that's something that people, everyday humans have, mm -hmm. right? So we can, we all know when something doesn't feel right. We have an instinct, our, our intuition tells us something. So that's something that we wanted to remind people of. Now, let me ask you a question to, to that end then. Is the enemy in this story, the empire, or is it apathy? Yeah. 
That's a good question. I think it's both. And that's reading stuff. <laughs> it's it's definitely both. And and this movie is very simple in you know in the visuals, but it's very layered. And, I, and that's something that we wanted people to do. We wanted to challenge audiences to kind of think a little bit. Because on the surface, it may seem like this very simple story, but there's a lot that is connected to it. So that is definitely something that we hinted at in the, in the script. And um, if people weren't so apathetic, they would have found out about the pit a long time ago. They would have already knew, known that was happening. You know, ignorance is bliss in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So yes, the Empire is, of course, the enemy, like they always are. They're the bad guys. They're the perfect villain because they hide behind their costumes and we're not pointing a finger at anyone in the real world necessarily. You know, we're not trying to make people feel necessarily guilty. We want people to, we want it to feel like a call to action and want to try to change mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. So that's why the Empire is a really great villain in a lot of ways. Um, and then the people in the city, we made sure that they were diverse as well. You know, it was a collection of different, not just humans, but species because we wanted everyone to feel like they needed to want to fight for change. But yeah, to answer your question, I think it's both. So yeah. uh, the question I forgot to ask earlier was for Arthel, what was your reaction, very first reaction when you saw Leandre's script? And Leandre, what was your first reaction when you saw Arthel's storyboards? Yeah, when um, yeah, when when I saw the when I first read through the script, I was like, like I actually had to read it twice. I was like, oh man, this is interesting. Like this is this is not your like I, I guess we're so used to just like yeah, kind of lightsaber fights, you know, <laughs> like kind mm-hmm. of with Star Wars. And that, I think that was what I was expecting at first. I was like, okay, but saw the title of the pit. I was like, okay, cool. Let me read through it. But then I was like, whoa, like this this is like not like any Star Wars I, I've read before, right? You know, and then and then yeah, there was different. I think it was just the the layers of the story that were in there that that kind of really pulled me in. So I, I felt. Like, yeah, this story needed to be kind of told, you know, and I thought that this is a kind of great universe to tell that story. I kind of got a similar feeling when I saw the the art for the first time with Arthel, because I think the storyboards, we actually, um, me and Justin Ridge, who was a co-director on this movie, uh, and he also has a huge Star Wars background. We kind of did storyboards together and we kind of sent them to Arthel and they kind of did their first kind of anim passes and everything like that. But when I saw their work for the first time, because Arthel is very protective, he, he likes to make sure that the, the work looks as, as best as it could possibly be before sending it over. So we did have to wait. And it was like, a it felt like Christmas when I first got the first uh, images from, from De Arstagio. And we were all kind of me and Daniel Cavey and Athena, Daniel Cavey is another producer on the movie. Mm-hmm. We all kind of looked at it together um, and we were all kind of blown away by just how bold and beautiful it looked. And and this is for rough animation passes. This wasn't the final product. And, and it's exactly what we were looking for. It had that that um, that blend that only De Art Stadio can bring because of the, the team that they have being from all different backgrounds. They bring this great fusion of Eastern and Western kind of styles that really felt like it was re- represented in the movie. So it, it, it was kind of, it was, it was breathtaking. <laughs> I saw the, the work for the first time. Now, both of you commitment to 2D art style, which I think works very well with this. Um, also a huge fan. Also, Arthel, I peeped you at you both at Star Wars Celebration. Uh, amazing cosplay, by the way. Um, <laughs> where, where you mentioned that uh, you're a big fan of Ghost of the Shell. I'm a huge fan of Ghost of the Shell. Um, 
not the live action. Y'all know we don't know her. Yeah. Um, but the <laughs> but the animated. I'm also standalone complex. The whole all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were there elements of Ghost in the Shell like that inspired parts of the pit? Were there? I think like yeah, like for me because yeah, that that's so that's the reason why I'm in Japan, right? It's because I, I was just always into uh, just traditional painting, like mm-hmm. and so. I think the thing with background with the background paintings and Ghost in the Shell that I really really liked and was yeah that everything first has like this kind of like painterly touch and um but also yeah like their use of light and dark and so when when we like Leandre really wanted to make sure that that the pit felt dark and bleak and and then you know once it got to the surface that it felt bright and light you know and uh so the art director of Ghost in the Shell, Hiromasa Ogura-san, he has this um, uh, book called Hikari to Yami, which yes. means, you know, light and dark. And, you know, for Ogura-san, light and dark and the values is the most important thing in, in artwork. Like, and if you can get the, the values right, like, you know, that that alone tells the message. And, that, and that's also how we humans perceive, you know, objects, right? And so and so when, it, when I was painting, uh, the backgrounds and kind of come up with the boards and things, uh, image boards for for Leandre. Like yeah, I would always I always go through like, you know Hikarito Yami and just kind of remember the messages that Ogura-san told me. Yeah, like it's it's always an inspiration for me. And then you know Pitt was a great place to kind of use some of those you know, lessons that I learned. So uh, who else did you collaborate on with this? And what was sort of the approval process like? Like, cause you seem to be, I know there's like three or four executive producers and then another producer. I mean, how many rounds of revisions were you all going through? Did you have any crazy meetings? <laughs> we had a lot of meetings. I mean, because, you know, Arthel's in Japan and I'm over here in, in the States and in, in Oakland in the Bay Area, we we had to meet, right? So at, at, on Zoom and everything was all kind of meetings. In fact, we didn't get to physically meet until I think 2022 at, at uh, last year's celebration. That was the first time we physically met. Wow. In, in so it was all meetings. And, you know, the, it, it's the usual approval process um, that, you know, Lucasfilm uh, typically goes through. There wasn't anything kind of different or, or, you know, about that. But one thing I did appreciate was the company really supported me as you know this filmmaker for this for this uh, movie and didn't try to over um, kind of um, overmanage it? Mm-hmm. You know they 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 kind of gave me the creative freedom to express it the way that we wanted to express it. So that was really important to make sure that we got it right um, and that we were bringing truly our unique perspective um, to this to this to this series. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. So you, I'm just thinking of the 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 work schedule. So you have like your day job at Lucasfilm, and then yeah. so at night it's day in Japan, and yeah. you're having meetings, <laughs> kind of like now. Um, you're having <laughs> meetings with Arthel, and then Arthel, you're working throughout the day so that like by that night when he gets off, <laughs> he can see yeah. what yeah, you yeah, all yeah. done, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. And a lot of ways it worked pretty well because, you know, there's that kind of layering, like you talked about, or like that kind of schedule stacking. The multiverse. We're uh, just going to call it the most. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, it was really hard to, to work. I was working, I'm working two jobs, you know, I was, yeah. I was doing my full-time regular job here and my, uh, you know, directing this movie, writing, directing and executive producing, but I needed to, I wanted to, I would have done it any other way. It was, uh, it was really hard two years. It wasn't a lot of sleep, but 
um, I just felt so strongly about the story and we had so many amazing people working on it that I just didn't want to let everyone down. I wanted to kind of, you know, bring the best that we could possibly bring. So I'm very, very much fond of some good memories during those two years, some very sleepless nights, but some good memories. Um, now that, I mean, you still have this job as an archivist, is it, is it crazy that now one of your films is part <laughs> yeah. of that archive? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that was, I'm glad you asked because that was the most surreal experience <laughs> probably I've ever had was doing this job for so long. And I've been there over 12, uh, like 12 years. So I, I get, like I mentioned, all the final assets for every movie, every show. And, you know, it's always directed by George Lucas or Steven Spielberg or J.J. Abrams or Ryan Johnson or someone. And then to get something that I wrote and directed, you know, was wild you know to get it back it felt like coming full circle it was it was it was pretty crazy but it's it 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 was what i always wanted to do so at the same time it you know it, it felt like i was in the right place but yeah no absolutely um that probably i could see that being a pretty emotional moment actually because <laughs> especially for all you know all the work that you've done also you you had shared before we really started recording that even dave filoni had weighed in uh was he yeah. in one of these zoom calls yeah shout out to dave Filoni. he's uh he's he's amazing we all love dave he's been with the company a long time also obviously um and we kind of have reverse tra trajectories in a way because he started off in animation and then he kind of transitioned into live action what he's doing now and i was in live action and i was coming over to animation which was kind of new for me so I, I got to pick his brain and just talk to him about, you know, what that transition's like, what the differences are, um, you know, and he kind of just told me, you know, I was kind of ready to take all these notes and pick his brain. And he was like, you'll be fine. You're, you're a storyteller. Just trust your team and just kind of make sure you just believe in the vision and, and stay true to your storytelling instincts. That, that was a huge boost for me to, to hear him say something like that. And, you know, he's just a great um, person to kind of talk to whenever I need some advice or, or anything like that. But yeah, he was involved in the early pre-production stages. We had um, a handful of meetings together and um, I always cherish, cherish his time. So it's, it was great to have him on board. Does that blow your mind, Arthel, that Dave Filoni was like weighing in uh, on your work? No, yeah, it, it does. And they, like DeAndre, I think they had set up a meeting with me. Like, so I, I got to meet like Dave Filoni as well, which was pretty cool and, and get some insight on, yeah, just like his, his way of thinking about story it's interesting because it's very simple but mm -hmm. at the same time it's so very poignant and you're like oh wow that's crazy like you know that that is what story is about you know and even just with how you know, something that I often think about that he said when when you critique a story or people often critique a story from from the wrong lens like we we critique it from like oh how we would have done the story as opposed to what what's actually there like and and it's important to look at what the story that is there and then you um you improve upon the story by so uh, from the from the vision of the director and from the vision of the story that they were trying to tell, not not the story that you want to tell, you know. And, and I and I was like, oh, that's that's interesting because I think that's what everyone does. Like when when people watch a movie, they're like, well, I would have did it this way, and I felt like they're and like, but that that's not the story, right? The, the story is the, the story is this is very specific line. So you have to think about the story from from the director and the writer's point of view. Right, serving the story, serving the characters, not necessarily yeah, serving yeah. the clips that you're going to market it with. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah, very yeah. different. That's awesome. So I gotta ask about the little girl that's in 
the short that seems to be a little bit force sensitive. If you had a chance to do like a part two, would the story be about her? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought her up. That's uh, her character's name is Livy and is played by Jordan Corrette, who's amazing. She's one of my favorites because she she's talking, you know, how we're talking about that, you know, the theme of hope. She embodies that with with that character and how someone can be so small or the youngest person in this situation and still be the the hero at the end of the day. You know, uh, it's, it's a great reminder to young people everywhere. But um, yeah, she we, we we didn't want to have her use her force abilities to get everyone out. You know, that that wasn't really what we wanted to focus on. Yeah, that if was my noticed, next question. Like, yeah, baby girl, could you have done could this? Have, we could have used that a long time ago. Why don't you just force <laughs> levitate us all out of the pit? Crux that could still be easier. here if you work this out, honey. But yeah. yes, I get it. She didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. She could have saved him when he fell. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she's got she's to gotta work on her Jedi skill first. Exactly. Before she can. But yeah, the, I mean, um, it's just to kind of remind people, you know, like, you know, that anyone can can be that hero. You don't have to be a force user to do that. There's there's no lightsabers in this movie. There's no huge space battles. We wanted to keep it about the message. But at the same time, you know, going back to your question about, you know, what the future is, that's something we wanted people to be curious about. You know, if this little girl can do what she did without even knowing she had the force, imagine what kind of Jedi she could be. And that's something I definitely have ideas about and would love to, to continue the story about. But yeah, I love Libby's character and what she represents. One of my last questions is going to be that beautiful mural that was being painted of Crocs. And actually just I think it was supposed to be a reminder of their time there in the pit. There seem to be some words at the bottom. Can you tell me what the meaning of the mural was? Yeah, so those those characters you you mentioned are they're Arabesh, so that's the Star Wars language. So it says the pit, gotcha, in Arabesh. But yeah, we worked with the real graffiti artist on that piece, and that was something that was really important to me. And I think Arthel, you found Dane, right? He was the one who came on board to our production because we wanted that authentic kind of look. We didn't want us to kind of create. We wanted a real graffiti artist to kind of embody that. And we looked at different concepts, and we kind of worked together on what it what it should mean and I, it was a very hard job to, for him because I said, I want I want this mural to look like everything that happened in the pit in the story. And I also want it to be a mural for Crux, like a rest in peace for Crux to remind people that what happened here, even though everyone's gone, you know, murals are a reminder of what happened so we don't ever forget. But that was kind of a huge job to be able to do that. And he nailed it with that. I thought that was the perfect kind of piece that embodied the story, but also gave respect to Crux. And then at the same time, looking at Livy as the future, who's also, you know, right front and center in that, in that mural. So yeah, I, I love that mural so much. Yeah, I thought it was also very poignant because in every city in America, there is a mural that, and people don't realize how much murals are memorials. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the, exactly. and often like, it's like even in, in, in the city with ghost bikes and things like that, if you're not from the city, you might not know what that all represents. There were so many levels to this, but that touchstone was like, this could be Philly, this could be Brooklyn, this could be Oakland, you know? And that, I thought that was a beautiful, like universal touch to it as well. And another thing that we really wanted to to bring out of it was there was so much darkness that was happening in that pit. And it was just kind of an example of how these people turned this, this horrible situation into, you know, this beautiful image. That's something that I feel like speaks to kind of 
Black culture and a lot of uh, other cultures around the world where they kind of are in this situation, but they bring something beautiful out of it that only they could have brought. And that's what, you know, we hope people kind of get reminded of in this movie. Okay, so this last question is for both of you. Outside of this story, any other story or character in the Star Wars universe, what character would you like to tell a story about next? And you don't have to agree. You both could say two completely different things. Okay, I'll let off there. I'll, I'll let you go first. Okay, yeah. It's like, oh God, I want a time to think. It's fake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Leandro's got all the characters in his head. I'm like, I'm going to say, Leandro, that's not fair. You like have an actual archive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Take it from the archive. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to really think about it. I'm like, I'm kind of weird. I, I like le- learning about the, the, no, the obscure characters a little bit like oh i, I want to know that. about secondary characters are my thing i yeah. love that <laughs> like what what if we had like a max rebo movie or a story you know the keyboard player in the java's palette in episode six you know what if we had a movie about That's him awesome. and his, i don't know i just think that'd be well, funny i did i did find out about one character and we talked about it during our meeting and i thought which i thought was really interesting i think she's from she's originally from clone wars maybe oh her her name is uh, atris and, mm. and and she's she's like a records keeper. Yeah, and, she's and Leandre. So, yeah, yeah, Leandre. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, I actually I always like characters and I like names that start with A just because my name starts with A. But <laughs> I think it's interesting. <laughs> and then I think it's cool. When, so every time I meet people whose name starts with A and if they have a really interesting name, I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's so cool that you said that. That we actually use that. That we use Atris as a name for our database at the company. Yeah, so that's, that's crazy awesome, that's so yeah. funny yeah. wait yeah. am i allowed to say that am i allowed to put it out there <laughs> <laughs> is that a yeah. statement but i do think atris would be a cool character to tell a story about like like i imagine like it'd be like a surreal story you know like kind of, kind of like you're just kind of seeing the star wars universe through her eyes and through her records right and so it's just like different different stories and different things and you know happening all over and in her records i think that'd be a pretty cool story yeah. Yeah, and Jacosta Newt, that's another archivist in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. She's the, the, the lady in episode one in the prequels where she's in charge of the Jedi Temple archives. But yeah, anyway, we can we can nerd out about it. We can do that all day. All day. <laughs> I think mine would be because I just think that his story is so interesting is uh Kelleran Beck. Like I didn't see enough of him okay. and Mandalorian. Like, I want the rest of the story. Like, what's he been doing? So hope hopefully we're gonna see that too. And I know you can't tell me. <laughs> Thank you both for like nerding out with me and talking to us about how this whole uh, incredible little short came about. And one thing I did forget to ask you, Arthel, was did you realize that Darch Taja was the only Japanese based studio this season? Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't know. Like, because we didn't know. We didn't know. So they kind of kept this, you know, Lucas and Disney. So they were like really good at keeping secrets, even even from themselves, <laughs> from the people <laughs> in, the, in, the, in, the, in the thing, you know. And so, yeah, we didn't know any of the other studios that were working on it and things like that. So and, I'm, and I always think that actually I was talking with some of my friends and things about that recently. Like, it's interesting to be, you know, black and but like we're representing Japan. Like, I think that's so interesting. And I, I was talking with uh, someone who's part of the Japan Society New York. And so they're, they're all about, you know, they, they're just about the culture of Japan. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've been to Japan Society in New York, 
but but and then he they had reached out to me and they were like um like a a representation because they're trying to introduce you know just Japanese culture to the West and Mm -hmm. they felt that I also represent Japanese culture and I was like that's so crazy to be like a kid from New Jersey you know from Patterson but like I'm representing like Japan (laughs) I was like well like how is like that's so weird right like and it's surreal and it's interesting and I'm honored right and so yeah, it's, it's just an interesting thing. I love how that's the weird part. Not just, hey, I'm going to just start my own studio in the middle of Japan. <laughs> that's <weird. laughs> But thank you both. This has been a great conversation. I really, really appreciate it. Where can everybody find the two of you? So yeah, like um, there are Stagio. Like if you just like it's on all social media platforms. We're there. Please give us a like and a follow. <laughs> and for me, I mean, uh, outside of, like I mentioned, outside of Lucasfilm, I do my own independent work and you know, I have a website, leandrethomas.com. I'm on Twitter at leandrethomas. I'm on Instagram at leandre. So uh, give us a like and give us a follow. Wasn't that powerful? I really hope that we get to see more from this pair. I hope they get to produce more projects together. And Arthel, every time I see him, he's done work with The Weeknd. He's now he's done work with Star Wars. Seeing his team and his company grow is also just as fascinating. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please comment and subscribe. It really helps the show out a lot. And don't forget to check out this week's episode sponsor, VirtuousCon. The convention is coming up fast and you can join us from anywhere because it's completely virtual. Also, check out Self if you're trying to rebuild your credit. All of the info about our sponsors as well as our guests will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.